Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. There's a lot of orange in here this morning. Is there something going on this afternoon? Halloween party or something? Just kidding. Super Bowl Sunday. We are happy that you are here this morning. Let's stand up together this morning and find somebody to greet and tell them that you are happy to see them this morning.
Sound great. Have a seat. Good morning, church. I uh, told the first service earlier that they picked somebody that was filled with the Spirit to do announcements this morning, but they forgot to pick someone who was filled with Team Spirit. Uh, but I am excited for uh, all of the football fanatics in my life, and I hope that uh, everyone has a wonderful day watching the Super Bowl this afternoon. Um, and I will be doing my best to cheer alongside you. <laughs> um, but I, I just want to welcome you guys here this morning. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor with us, I'd like to encourage you to fill out one of our connection cards. Uh, there's two ways you can do that. You can scan the QR code on the back of the chair in front of you, or you can actually get a paper copy of one of those out in our atrium. Uh, and if you just fill that out, that just gives us an opportunity to kind of stay in touch with you uh, let you know a little bit about what's going on at our church and kind of just keep up with you after you've had a chance to uh, visit and be a guest with us. And so I've got a couple things uh, going on over the next couple weeks. So we've got a busy couple weeks as we uh, look at the end of February. But the first thing is our activities council has uh, put together some little candy treat bags for Valentine's Day. Those are out in the atrium. So if you didn't get one of those already, make sure and grab one of those before you leave. Uh, more chocolate is almost always a good thing. Uh, so make sure and grab one of those as you head out the door today. Um, and then tomorrow morning, we have a breakfast for our widows and widowers. Uh, that's going to be at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning here at the church. And so we'd like to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, we also have a men's breakfast coming up this Saturday at 8 o'clock. And so uh, that was the one that we had scheduled a couple weeks ago and, and it got snowed out. But we're going to plan to do that again this Saturday at 8 o'clock. And then on February 21st, our pastoral care team is uh, going to be taking food to the workers at the local racetrack. And so they're asking some of our church members to uh, sign up to bring some sides that would go well with barbecue. So things like potato salad, slaw, uh, coleslaw, chips, desserts, things like that. Um, and then on February 28th, so coming up here in a couple weeks at 6 o'clock, I'm going to be having another parent meeting uh, for our student ministry. So if you have a child in middle school or high school, I'd like to encourage you to come out to that parent meeting. I'm going to be going over all the events and stuff that we have planned for the year. So all the trips that we're going to be taking, all of our camps, things like that. I'm also going to be going over some important uh, policy updates for overnight trips. So just want to make sure we've got all the parents in the know with the things that we've got going on. And so that is coming up on the 28th at 6 o'clock, and it'll last about an hour. Um, also, I am still looking for some volunteers to be a part of our student ministry. Um, specifically, uh, you know, I'm looking for some to work on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And so if you'd be interested in being a part of our student ministry, pr please reach out to me. Let me know because I would love to get you plugged in uh, just serving these students here at the church. And then finally, um, Brad had been passing out some uh, conference invitations. So we have a conference coming up for guys. It's actually going to be at First Church on March 5th. And so Brad Rathbun is kind of uh, heading that up. So um, 
please uh, get with him, get some more information about that. And I think we'll be talking about that some at the men's breakfast here on Saturday as well. So as we continue worshiping together this morning, I'd like to take a moment to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this opportunity that we have to just uh, take a moment of rest from our busy lives, to take some time to uh, just worship you and spend time with you. God, I pray this morning that we can hear from you through the reading of your word and just that you'll bless this time of worship that we have together. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys sounded so good on that first song. We're going to try it again. So stand up with us this morning. We're going to sing one everybody knows.
You guys have a seat. Um, Chris never uh, suggests songs, except for last week when he said, hey, you know that song, Broken Vessels? I said, that, yeah, I said, that's a good song. We should do that. So we are going to do that. Uh, but uh, it is a wonderful song, and there's a, I mean, there's a, basically a chorus in here that everybody's going to know. So we want you to sing along with us when we get to the parts that you know. These pieces 
Amen. I agree with you, Chris. Nothing like singing about God's amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. It's good to see you this morning. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 19. Whoops. <laughs> Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to take a one-week break from Daniel. We'll be back in Daniel chapter 11 next week, and we'll be talking about the Antichrist. And then chapter 12 is the conclusion to Daniel. We'll get that in a couple weeks if you want to read ahead. This morning we're going to talk about love for a lifetime. I better go ahead and get the who day in there. So who day? All right, got that. Got that one. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about love for a lifetime. And uh, we have some flowers over here to celebrate. Harold and Anna, they're going to celebrate 70 years this week. So praise the Lord for that. Amen. We celebrate with them, and uh, if Mike don't pick those up afterwards, I'll be in good shape tomorrow. So, <laughs> None of you other men better get them, but just kidding, just kidding. We celebrate with them. I wanted to tell one on uh, Bob and Gina. Uh, Bob and Gina was getting ready for bed, and uh, Bob stopped by the mirror and looked at it and just kind of studied it for a few moments, and he said, Dear, I, I look in the mirror, and I see an old man, and my face is wrinkled, and what hair I got left is kind of gray and kind of got this double chin and a belly and arms are kind of shabby and man, he's just kind of depressed, he says to, to Gina. He said, tell me something positive so I don't feel so bad about myself. And so she, she looks for just a minute and says, well, honey, your, your eyes are still good. <laughs> that's, that's not real, that's not real. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is nearing uh, the end of his ministry, heading towards the cross. He has these enemies who are kind of increasing their attacks against him. And uh, they come and they, they want his opinion on something that was much debated. It's the issue of divorce. And uh, really they're trying to catch him in a trap. And, uh, but anyway, I, I did a little study and divorce was rampant in that society. And some historians say that uh, it was not uncommon for a Roman man to have as many as 15 wives in his lifetime. That's a lot, isn't it? It, it wasn't that rampant in the, amongst the Jewish people, but it was still a, a real problem in that society. Today in America, there's 2,400 divorces per day. And we realize the, the fallout, the devastation that arises out of these divorces that fallout is immeasurable. Uh, the two adults that are involved, the, the, the millions of children, the extended family. Uh, we live in a day where every family probably has been touched by the code hand of divorce in some way. And so I, I want to approach this subject with compassion and humility. I realize I'm preaching to, to people who have been through divorce. And you know the pain and the shame and the, the turmoil that it brings with it. And uh, my aim today is not to hurt anybody who's already been hurt by divorce. Uh, my, my objective is just try to teach and preach what Jesus said about this issue in a loving and clear manner as possible. And so with that said, I, we might not agree about everything about what I say today, but that's okay. I, I love you anyway. I'm just going to find a, try to teach the Word. There's a couple tendencies that I see sometimes in regards to, to this issue of divorce. Uh, some people try to lower the biblical standard so that, that people will feel better about what they've been through. And, and they want to demonstrate love, and, and they don't want anyone to get their feelings hurt, so they lower the standard. And then there's some who 
tend to go beyond uh, what the Bible teaches. And, and, and their desire is to uphold the sanctity of measure and, and to kind of turn the trend of divorces. And sometimes they go further than what the Scripture teaches. Well, we got to be careful about both of those. We don't want to add to or take away from God's Word. God's Word is true and it's final. It's our authority for life. And, and so normally I just jump right into the Word. But before we dive in, I just want to say a couple things about marriage. I, I love being married. Jeannie and I have been married for almost 27 years. And uh, I can still remember uh, the day we stood in front of Emanuel Baptist Church. And uh, we made some promises to each other. Brother Barry uh, asked me if I would take Jeannie to be my wedded wife. And I said, I do. And uh, he asked her if, if she would take me to be her wedded husband. And she said, I do. And, and I'm glad she did. And I'm thankful for her. And uh, she is a she is a wonderful gift, and she didn't marry a preacher. Uh, I just kind of throw that in later, and uh, she has uh, been so uh, gracious in in helping that calling and following that calling. And she's my partner. And but if you're married, you do you remember that day? And maybe you remember some of the vows that you took, and some of the things, and some of the promises. I Harold, take you, Jenny, to be my wedded wife. To Having to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, honor, and cherish as long as we both shall live. You, you remember some of those words? And it might not have been the exact words, but it's probably some of those languages. And I often like to end with as long as we both shall live because marriage is a commitment for a lifetime. There is this high calling in the scriptures, and, and so marriage is to be a, this commitment, this love for a lifetime. Now, many of you remember the movie Fireproof. Y'all remember that movie? And in that movie, the, the main characters was uh, Caleb and Catherine, and they're kind of headed, they were headed down a road towards divorce, and Caleb was explaining to his friend, Michael, that, that his marriage was, was probably going to end, and, and Michael says this to, to Caleb. He says, I've seen you run into a burning building to save people that you don't even know, and you're going to let your own marriage burn to the ground. I, I just want to show you this clip, and then we'll dive into to Matthew 19 this morning. I'm not going to tell her. If she wants to go ahead and file, that's up to her. Divorce is a hard thing, man. Well, if it brings peace. But Caleb, you want the right kind of peace. What do you mean by that? Do you know what that ring on your finger means? It means I'm married. Yeah, well, it also means you made a lifelong covenant. You were putting on that ring while saying your vows. The sad part about it is when most people promise for better or for worse, they really only mean for the better. Catherine and I were in love when we got married, but today <clears throat> we're two very different people, all right? It's just not working out anymore. Caleb, salt and pepper are completely different. Their makeup is different, their taste and their color. But you always see them together. And when you... Hold on just a second. What are you doing? Michael. What'd you do that for? Caleb, when two people get married, 
is for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. I know that, but marriages aren't fireproof. Sometimes you get burned. Fireproof doesn't mean that a fire will never come, but that when it comes, you'll be able to withstand it. <clears throat> you didn't have to glue them together. Don't do it, Caleb. If you pull them apart now, you'll break either one or both of them. I am not a perfect person, but better than most. And if my marriage is failing, it is not all my fault. But Caleb, man, I've seen you run into a burning building to save people you don't even know. But you're gonna let your own marriage just burn to the ground. Michael, you are my friend. And I've allowed you to speak freely with me on this job. Don't abuse it. <laughs> All right, Matthew 19, I invite you to stand and we'll read these first nine verses. Matthew 19, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we ask for your help as we deal with this issue of divorce and we talk about love and marriage. And uh, Lord, we need your help in, in marriage and, and you offer it to us through your spirit, through your word, uh, your amazing grace. Lord, just uh, speak, we pray. With, help me to speak with clarity and I, I pray your your spirit would encourage us, exhort us in some areas. I pray you'd strengthen marriages, heal some. Uh, I pray for young people that they would uh, see and understand what, what your design is for marriage. And uh, Lord, you do your work and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So Jesus has been teaching in chapter 18. He's talking about relationships. He's talking about the unforgiving servant. And, uh, and the Pharisees, they, they come, and uh, verse 3, they ask a question, is it lawful to divorce or to send away one's wife for any cause? Now, that's a, that's a dumb question. You think that's a dumb question? Is it okay to divorce for any, for, for any reason? And Jesus, he doesn't even really answer the, the, the question. He goes immediately to God's design for marriage, and he says in verse 4, have you not read, really, have you not read what the Scripture says? And so he's asking the religious people, and there have been times in ministry where I've wanted to ask some Christians that question in regards to marriage. Haven't you read what God says about marriage? And uh, specifically, verse 6, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And so they, they tried to trap him with the first question, and, and uh, they, they, they weren't successful. And so they have another question for him in verse 7, why did... Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away. 
And uh, this time Jesus nails the answer in verse 8. Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And so the reason there's these certificates of divorce is because man has a hard heart. We have a heart problem. God instituted marriage as part of his special plan for mankind. And divorce is a corruption of God's plans because of our selfish desires. We put them above God's plan. So I want to spend most of our time this morning talking about marriage and love. Uh, but first, uh, I want to teach what the Word says, and I want to be true to the Word. And so here's the first point. Uh, we should acknowledge that divorce is permitted. That's a strange point to start with. It's not preferred, it's not prescribed, but it is permitted. And so in verse 7, when they asked the question about uh, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce, uh, Moses wrote about a certificate of divorce in Deuteronomy chapter 24. Uh, specifically in Deuteronomy 24.1, it says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of his house. And, and we could talk more about that, but this certificate of divorce was really designed to protect the woman. But uh, they, they asked that question, and the, the Pharisees had taken these certificates of divorce and, and used them as weapons in marriage. And so historians tell us that the, the, that the Pharisees would carry the certificate of divorce with them. And uh, so if their wife made some mistake, they could kind of pull it out and kind of threaten them with these, with this certificate. So, I mean, we, we live in a day where we can get on the Internet and file for divorce, and it's pretty easy. But, but they carried it in their back, I guess, back robe pocket, and uh, they had it in case they needed it. And, uh, I, again, my purpose this morning is not to beat up on anybody who has already been through the pain of divorce. Uh, and let me say this, divorced Christians aren't second-class church members. Uh, they're, they're no more second-class church members than anybody who has committed a sin and then found forgiveness. And that's all of us, right? We all can agree on that. We're all sinners. We repent of our sins. We confess them to God. We receive His forgiveness. It's the same way with those who have been divorced. No one plans on getting a divorce. Uh, yet in America, there are 8,760,000 of them a year. That's 16,846 per week. I want you to think about this. America only has about 5% of the world's population, but we have over 50% of the divorces. Something's wrong with that, isn't it? Yeah. And so I, I've done lots of premarital counseling, and nobody has ever said to me, you know, I don't think this is going to work, or nobody's ever said, this. we'll probably, we want to get this counseling, and we want to get married, but we'll probably end up, but nobody says that. And so I, I have a hard time understanding why, Christians have such a high divorce rate. It's not as high as non-Christians, but it's, it's too high. And it's no little matter. It grieves the heart of God. Now, often people, Christians, who, 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 those who call themselves Christians and they, they say Jesus is Lord, they, they really don't care what God says about what they're doing. Some years ago, I was doing some counseling with a couple, and the woman said, uh, I'm done. And so I asked her a question. I said, are, are you a Christian? And she said, I am. And I says, does it matter to you what God says about your marriage? And she said, I guess. And I said, what do you think would honor him the most? And her reply to me was, I'm done. 
I said, what would honor God the most? And she said, I'm done. See, Jesus asked this remarkable question in Luke 6.46. Here's the question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now, that's a question we all should ask ourselves sometimes, and maybe not even in regards to divorce, but lots of areas that I should sometimes say, if I call Jesus Lord, then I've got to do what he says. Uh, and so do, do you care what God says, what he thinks about divorce? Because we, we know. Malachi 2.16, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Now, let me specify here. God doesn't hate, he hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorcees. He hates the act of divorce, of putting away. And the saddest reality is that, that many divorces are unbiblical and unnecessary. So, back to the question. Moses speaks of a certificate of divorce in Deuteronomy 24.1. And it says that a man could write a certificate of divorce if he found some indecency in his wife. The word indecency here is ervo. It means unclean or immoral. And so if he found something, really what he's saying is a man could write a certificate of divorce if he found some Im, something immoral in his wife. That was one very uh, liberal uh, rabbinical school or school for the religious people called the School of Hillel. And they interpreted indecent there in Deuteronomy 24.1 as just about anything. And they said a man is permitted to divorce his wife if she spoils dinner or if she spoke to a man on the street or, or even if he decided his wife was plain looking and he found someone that was more beautiful. And, and we could, there's a whole list of things that, that they would consider indecent. Uh, but this was uh, such a controversial issue that, that again, the, the Pharisees asked Jesus point blank in verse 3, is it lawful uh, for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And so it seems that people back then, much like today, believe that just about anything is grounds for divorce. And uh, so many people miss the joy of marriage. And they're so quick to, to throw in the towel. And they, they often magnify their, their conflict with one another above their commitment that they made to one another. So I said that we should acknowledge that divorce is permitted. Uh, verse 9 and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And so here's the context. Jesus is asked, is, is divorce okay for any reason? And the only reason that he gives for divorce is sexual immorality. The word is pornea. It refers to any type of illicit sexual activity. And, uh, and so Jesus is, is really clear here. Marriage can be difficult. And we know that. You, and again, just think about it. You put two sinners together under one roof, and there's going to be times where it's, where it's difficult, and we're going to have disagreements and differences of opinion. And, and yet, he wants us to stick it out. And the only reason that Jesus gives for divorce is sexual immorality. Now, we know when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, gives a second reason for divorce. Let me read this. 1 Corinthians 7, 15. If the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such case. Now, we need to know the context. And the context is the gospel's going out, and, and the gospel came to places like Corinth. And sometimes a, a man or a woman would hear the gospel, and they would... 
turn their life over to Jesus and be saved. And, and sometimes they go back home and they have an unbelieving spouse and, and they weren't interested in the gospel. And they're not even interested in their spouse trying to live out their faith. And, and so really what Paul is saying is for the believer, do all that you can to, uh, to win over your spouse and, and to make the marriage work. But, but if the unbeliever wants a divorce, then the believer is not under bondage. And he's saying, so you're, you're permitted to, to grant that divorce kind of as a last resort. And, and Paul doesn't say you're free to initiate that divorce. He just says that if an unbeliever wants a divorce, you're free to grant that to them. I, I think the only time the Scripture says that a Christian can biblically initiate a divorce is in the case of sexual immorality. And, and listen to me, it, it's, it's, it's not preferred. It's permitted. You don't have to divorce someone. You can work it out, and it's hard, and I've seen it hard, and it takes time, and there's lots of hurts, and, and so I, I'd guard yourself at the beginning, and so you don't have to work through immorality in your marriage. It's a terrible mistake, and it hurts the person that you love the most, and so men and women guard yourselves against that. But there are all kinds of reasons given for divorce today. We, we just, we're just not in love anymore. We're just not compatible. We've, we've grown out of love. We... He gets on my nerves. She nags me all the time. We have irreconcilable differences. All kinds of reasons, and you can fill in the blank. Listen, I just want to say marriage is difficult. Men, don't amen that. We know better than that. But it is. It's, it's difficult, and yet the Lord wants us to stick it out, and He has given us everything we need. He has given us His Word, which has instructions. He has put His Spirit in us. We have everything we need to have a, a God-honoring marriage. And so if we acknowledge, though, in verse 9, that, that divorce is permitted for sexual immorality, then, then a, a second point is let's affirm that remarriage is possible. And so if you were divorced because of sexual immorality on the part of your spouse, I, I believe that you are free to remarry if you choose, and, and you don't need to feel guilty about that. Uh, over the years, I've had several requests for, to officiate uh, weddings, and uh, if, if you're divorced and, and you want me to, to marry you, I, I'm going to ask some questions to try to find out uh, if your divorce was for one of those two reasons. And if it wasn't, then, then I won't officiate your, your remarriage. And uh, some people have been angry at me. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be a judge. Uh, but my convictions are based on the end of verse 9 that if you divorce for some reason other than sexual immorality, then then if you remarry, you're going to commit adultery. And, and listen, you, as a minister of the gospel, I'm to proclaim the word of God, and uh, I'm to uh, warn against sin. I'm, I'm not to help people partake of sin. And, and listen, you, you don't want your pastor to help you sin, do you? Shake your head like this. I hope not. No. No, I'm to warn against sin. I, and, and so I don't feel like I have the freedom to officiate a, a wedding of someone who has an unbiblical divorce. And, uh, and if others do, I, that's fine with them. But again, my convictions are based on the end of verse 9. But let me clarify that if you are divorced for unbiblical reasons and you have since remarried, listen, God, God doesn't want you to end that marriage. No, He, he wants you to, to be committed to that. And, and, and you might have committed adultery by remarrying, but that doesn't mean that you live in adultery the rest of your life. If that's your situation, you ask God for forgiveness and, and you commit your current mar marriage to God until death separates you. That, that's how you honor God. And, uh, divorce is no different than any other sin. We don't have to live in that sin. We confess it and find His forgiveness. 
whatever your sin might be. Confess it to God, and if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And, and so it's the same remedy for sin. We confess it to God. But, but I know in our, our contemporary culture, uh, Jesus' teaching sounds a little radical. And it sounded a little radical in Jesus' day. Because if you notice verse 10, the disciples, after he said that, after he said what he said in verse 9 about except for sexual immorality, you commit adultery, the disciples said to him in verse 10, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus would have shook his head and said, you're right. And the bottom line is, if you're not committed until death do you part, then don't even get married. How about that, young people? If you can't commit your life to that person for the rest of your life, then don't, don't get married. Now, let's finish by considering God's design for marriage. Let's, let's get there. One, two. And let's assert that marriage is meant to be permanent. Listen to 4 through 6. He answered, verse 4, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And we know today that's a, that's a whole new sermon. Because we want to redefine male and female and have it your way. No, God made them male and female. And marriage is for a male and a female. That's God's design. He is our creator. And so it's his say about marriage. So haven't you read these instructions from Genesis? Uh, verse 5, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That is God's design for marriage. Uh, circle that verse. Th th this is uh, such an important statement that it's mentioned four times in the Scriptures. One time it's in Genesis 2.24, at the very beginning, to Adam and Eve. And then three times in the Old Testament. Once before the fall and three times after the fall. I mean, this is... God's marital plan for perfect man and for sinful man. And, and all we need to do is, is just follow God's plan. And so the first part is that we're to leave father and mother. We're to leave for father and mother. So that, that doesn't mean we're to abandon our father and mother. That doesn't mean we're to move away. Or Listen, we're always to honor our parents. We, we, we don't get to a certain age where we can cross that one off. No, we're always to honor our parents. But what it means is... That the husband-wife relationship becomes the priority over every other human relationship. The husband-wife relationship. And I have to be careful how I say this, but that means that I have to be more concerned about being a godly husband than I do being a godly son. I want to be a godly son. I want to honor my parents. But my primary commitment is to my wife, Jenny. And it's the same way for our children. Listen, we have this God-given responsibility of raising our children. But, but listen, parents, what we're primary, primarily doing is preparing them uh, to leave one day. We, you might have young kids and you don't want to think about them leaving one day, but they're going to. And our job is to take those 17, 18, 19 years and prepare them to leave. And, and I want to, my kids to know how to find a godly wife or a godly husband. More importantly than that, I want my son to be a godly husband. I want my daughter to be a godly wife. I want them to know how to do that. I want them to have seen that uh, in our relationship. A and I want them to understand the priority of marriage when they get married. Now, parents, we don't always like it. When our children began to put more emphasis on their marriage than they did us as their parents. You know what I mean? That kind of rubs us a little bit. 
that, that Kyle no longer, his, his primary responsibility is not to me and Jenny, but it's to his wife now. But that's the way it's supposed to be. We're pre- preparing for that. That is the, the greatest earthly relationship is husband and wife. So we leave mother and father, and then we hold fast to his wife. And so number two, we're to cleave. God's plan is for marriage to be a permanent relationship. It is a picture of being glued together. You saw the, the salt and pepper. It's, we're glued together. And if we break that, it's going to tear something up. That's the picture of marriage. We're glued together. Listen, marriage is, is not a matter of chance, but of choice. The choices that we make. It's, it's not a matter of convenience, but it's a matter of obedience to the Word of God. So let me jog your memories this morning. You said something like this, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or worse. And sometimes you feel like you got the worst. You said you'd take it. In sickness and health, you said that would be okay. For rich or poor, maybe you got the poor. But you said, as long as we both shall live. And so, in marriage, we commit ourselves to each other regardless of the problems that may arise. And there might be really tough problems. But we committed ourselves. I, I've already told Jenny, if she ever leaves, I'm going with her. And she's, she's stuck. I, I hope she stays, but I'm going wherever she goes. We're, we're, we're glued together. That's the picture. And then leave, cleave, and number three, two, we are to become one. We become one. That marriage is, is a picture of total oneness, a total giving of oneself to the, to the other person. When a man, man and woman gets married, listen, they share everything. They share their bodies. We like that part. But we also share uh, our problems, our possessions, our ideals, our successes, our debts, our failures. Well, I mean, we share it all. Two become one. And so your problems become my problems, and your debt becomes my debt, and my good fortune becomes... We, we share all those things. We become one. And God's plan is for total intimacy, deep unity, to become... I mean, Jenny's my best friend. That, that, that's the picture of marriage. And somebody asked you quickly this morning, is your marriage according to God's plan? And let me say this, God wants the very best for our lives. And, and I, for most of us, marriage is a, a part of that. He finds no delight in broken relationships and broken vows and children shuffle back and forth between families. And, and so I want to just make sure we know that marriage is a serious commitment. And so for our young folks, if you're ever thinking about that, realize it's, it's a serious commitment. Why did Moses even come up with this certificate of divorce then? Verse 8, because of the hardness of our hearts. Now, uh, before we run out of time, let me, let me say a couple things. Marriage with unity and love is rooted in our worship. Marriage with unity and love is rooted in worship. And, and listen, not, lo- not worship of of our spouse, but in worship of God. It, it's rooted in wanting God's will to be done. If, if we worship God, then we're going to live for His honor and, and pursue His kingdom. We're going to, listen, men, if we love God first and foremost, then with His help, we're going to seek to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that's all part of our worship. And, and listen, we know how much Christ loved the church. I mean, he left heaven to come to rescue us from our sins. He, he went to the cross and bore our sins. He paid the debt that we owe. He, he did that because he loved us. 
I mean, there's no way we could question his love. He demonstrated it in full at the cross. And so he loves us. And so as we get ready to close, one of the biggest problems of, in marriage is that we worship ourselves instead of God. We talked about that a little bit in our Sunday school class this morning. We, we like ourselves a lot. And yeah, I know when I say that, you're saying, listen, preacher, I don't worship myself. Well, man, how often do you, how important is it for you to have some peace and quiet and, and to have a clean house and to, to be able to do all the hobbies? and all, How important is that to you? And, and wives, how, how important is it for you to have a romantic husband or to have a certain lifestyle? Well, I want to tell you, some of those things are so important to us that we fight and we quarrel with our spouse because they're not delivering what we want. We'll fight with the people we love the most because they're, they're getting in the way. I mean, James talks about why we quarrel and fight. It's because we want what we want. And if somebody gets in the way of what I want, I'm, I'm ready to fight them, even if it's my wife. It goes back to self-worship. And so we have to deny ourselves. If you want your marriage to work, you've got to say no to me a lot. And show this sacrificial love for your spouse. And, and listen, maybe, maybe you come here this morning and Maybe you came thinking your marriage is over. Maybe you're listening online and, and you think your marriage is over. And, and maybe in your heart you've already said, listen, if something doesn't change, I'm, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Well, listen, Jesus would say, stop fighting to get out of your marriage and start fighting for your marriage. Your marriage is always worth fighting for. And so I want to plead with you today from God's word to hang in there and don't give up on your marriage. Bill Bennett wrote a book years ago called The Broken Hearth. He says in there that 86% of marriages that are described as unhappy find that just five years later, they are much happier if they decide to stay together and tough it out. 86%. If you, it's tough, and I'm going to throw in a towel, but 86%, five years later, they'll say, I'm glad we stuck this out. 86%, that's, that's pretty good. And so for our married folks, listen, I... I'm going to make you a promise today, and I try not to make too many promises. But listen, if you put God first in your life, and your spouse second, if you'll put God first and your spouse second, there isn't a problem in this world that you can't overcome in your marriage. If you put God first, your spouse second. Listen to this statistics. When couples attend church together on a regular basis, and that doesn't necessarily mean that, that Christ is first in your life, but it's a good start. If couples attend church together on a regular basis, if couples worship together, the ratio of divorce drops to one out of 105 marriages. Isn't that awesome? And church, we need to reclaim the wonderful truth that marriage is worth fighting for, and our love, our marital love is for a lifetime. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for, for marriage, and Lord, I, I thank you for, for my marriage. Thank you for Jenny and for bringing us together. Lord, marriage is your ideal, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and, and yet we know it's not always easy, and there's problems sometimes, and we go through life, and there's, it's hard at work sometimes, and we have children, and that's hard, and sometimes we can't have children, and that's hard, and there's, uh, when our children grow up, there's difficulties and there's just so many stresses and so many things that 
that pull us away and we're selfish and our, we have selfish desires and Lord, I'm the most selfish sometimes. Forgive me of that. And Lord, I just pray you would help us in our marriages. Help us to love our spouses. Help us to deny ourselves more and have this sacrificial, this, help us to have the love of Christ for our wives. Lord, we pray that that even now, you, you know every need in every marriage and you know where they're at and the struggles. And so I pray you would give strength to those that need strength and, and healing. Some, some marriages need healing today. I, I pray that you would put your divine balm upon those marriages. And some just need some encouragement. Some are going through a, a hard season, a, a dry spell. I just pray you would administer your grace to, to marriages in, in our in our church family. Lord, I pray you'd remind us this morning how much you love us. And your love was displayed on the cross. And if there's anyone here this morning without Christ, I, I pray they would know your love for them and, and they would respond in faith and turn from their sins and believe upon Jesus and be saved. Father, we commit this time to you and invite you to do what we need in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and uh, listen, your, your time to respond and listen, maybe you need a new heart. Jesus invites you to turn from your sins, believe upon him, be born again. I'd love to talk to you about our relationship with Jesus and, and uh, I love to invite people to, to come and pray with their spouses and I know you're thinking, well, if we go up there and pray, they'll think something's going on. No, you, you can pray just saying, God bless our marriage. We we want a God-honoring marriage. Encourage us, strengthen our marriage. Listen, I, I'd encourage you to come and pray with your spouse this morning. That's a good thing to do. You, you invited. You respond if you want to partake of the Lord's Supper. You can do that. You, if I can pray with you, something going on in your marriage, I'd, I'd love to pray with you. You respond this morning. I
Good to see you this morning. And just a couple of announcements before we go. The BBC Married Life is going to start back next Sunday night. It's good they didn't start tonight, isn't it? Just kidding. They're going to have a kickoff next uh, Sunday night with some food and games. And uh, that's for all ages. If you just want to invest a little bit in your marriage, which is always a good thing, uh, we'd love to invite you. Uh, Bob and Gina, we'd love to invite you. We, we could use some advice from you all. Just kidding. Uh, six o'clock next Sunday night. And then there's a six-week study called Kingdom Marriages. Uh, we'd love to be a part of that. Uh, in the morning, we're going to have uh, uh, widows and widower uh, Valentine breakfast. Uh, we'd love to invite all of our widows, widowers. We, we want to just uh, love and encourage you. Uh, if you know of a widow, a widow or widower that's here today, make, make sure they get a hug before they leave. The, this might be their first Valentine's without their spouse, and that's hard, and we want to love them well. And uh, we'd love for you to invite any widows that you might know. Maybe you have a neighbor or something that would be encouraged by that. 9 o'clock in the activity center. We'll have plenty of breakfast, and uh, we'd love to have them. We'd pick them up if, if, you, if they need that. So that's in the morning. And, uh, and then Brad's been passing out some uh, men's conference, the, the guy conference, March 5th at uh, First Church. If you have any questions about that, Brad could answer that. And uh, I think that's it. Happy Valentine's Day to you, who day to you, and uh, <laughs> we'll close with that. Happy anniversary again to the Herald and Ina, 70 years. We praise the Lord for that. So. That's my typical stuff. The uh, clear box is the dollar club. The regular box out there is the offering. Uh, there's also a QR code on the back of your chair. You can give that way if that's what you decide to do. And we just, again, thank you for that. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you again for just uh, just your book and, and just the, the instructions that we have for just our lives, for marriages, and, and for, for all the things that, that you expect of us. Lord, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we just thank you for uh, uh, having a pastor who opened that up and, and just talked to us about it, Lord. We should bless everyone on this Valentine's Day, and especially those who are maybe spending the first one without their Valentine. Lord, we just ask that we just come in and give them some peace and some comfort. Lord, and again, we thank you for your son, Jesus, because without him, none of this would be possible. It's in his name we pray. Amen.